Um, the residential side, it's all about being patient. It's all about um, taking out the time working through the BPOs. It's all about taking out the time and trying to educate most of the time the asset manager from the bank, because most of these asset managers, you know, are out somewhere in the Midwest making 30, maybe $35,000 a year, sometimes a little higher. And they're going according to comps, but those comps are not reflective of the condition of the home or the condo or the townhome that they, that you're trying to purchase, right? Yeah. Um, what I do find is that you have to be financially ready and prepared to close with a lot of cash on hand uh, the last two weeks of December. All right, guys, welcome again to another amazing episode. Uh, today we have Daniel Borrero. Uh, he is um, a Puerto Rican real estate investor. Uh, he was born in New York City. Um, he's been a real estate investor since I was born, since 1989. <laughs> so tons of experience. Uh, he's accumulated real estate in New York City, uh, Jersey, Florida, uh, acquisition over 2,000, 2000 properties, He's an industry leader, you know, short sale, financial institution, institution, asset managers, architects, brokers, developers, civil engineers, you name it. Uh, he's done it. He's, uh, we will probably dive into many different strategies. Um, but for now, we're going to go ahead and talk about, you know, how, uh, how you got started in this, Daniel, because you, uh, I see here, you have a passion for it. And, and why does that passion have in that? Uh, you know, I mentioned why I have my passion for it, but you know, why do you have yours and how do you get started, man? You know, it's, it's funny. I, I truly believe those that grew up, uh, without have a bigger passion to succeed. Um, and, and I was, you know, one of those individuals that grew up, grew up without a lot, but never knowing that I didn't have a lot, you know, we always, the rent was always paid the apartment, you know, my, my apartment was always clean. There was always food on the table. Um, so did I know I didn't have a lot? No. But when I realized I didn't have a lot was whenever we left the barrio, right? The neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when we realized how little we had, right? Um, so, you know, I, I remember sitting one day and, and, and watching, we had a black and white TV and we lived in uh, Fort Green, Brooklyn, across the street from the projects. And I saw there was a, I, I don't remember the name of the show, but you know, it was a white picket fence with a nice big white house and the wife comes out and hands her husband his briefcase and his coffee mug and, you know, he puts on his sombrero and he's ready to go out to work and it's a big shaggy dog, you know, and, and I remember saying to my mother, I said, Ma, does people actually live like that? And she said to me, yeah, you will one day. And that was the inspiration from that point. You know, my mother probably doesn't even remember her telling me that. Um, but that was the inspiration, if that tells you, you know, if that gives you any idea. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, I think we all, like you said, those of us who, who are, who come from those, those neighborhoods feel that way, right? And then you leave and you, you figure out, oh my God, you know, why does everyone else have so much and right. you don't, right? Yeah, and you realize how, how different life is, right? So I remember when I went away to college, um, and I would, I, I used to take out $50 a week from my bank account. I had to walk two miles to get to the 
to that brand, to that bank. It was a small college upstate New York, and 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 I'm walking to the bank one that first week, and somebody says to me as I'm passing by, you know, hello. So I immediately got my Brooklyn in, in me, you know, and confronted. I'm like, what do you mean, hello? Do I look like some bitch to you or something? You don't talk to me like that. <laughs> you know, like, you, you know, because right away back home, anybody says hello, the next thing they're asking you for is to see what time so they could cold cock you to take your money, right? So it was, uh, Are you all it, was a, it was a huge adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a huge adjustment. Um to, to actually being treated with, with some decency yeah. and say, you know, someone just saying out, out of, you know, nor- normality, hello. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's hilarious. That's the, that's the Northeastern in you. Cause, that's uh, right, yeah. yeah. I, I went to go live in California after living in Jersey all my life. And the landlord in our neighborhood was waving at us uh, coming in and my roommate was from Jersey too. And we look at each other and we're like, Hey man, did we pay the rent? <laughs> now, do we owe her something? Why is she yeah, waving at us, right? Like, <laughs> why she be so nice? You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, know, you realize that once you have to get out of that ecosystem you're in to then realize um, what life really is has a, a, a what is available to you if you're just willing to yeah. put in the effort, the time, and this, you know, the work. Okay, no, I I completely agree. So, how, you know, what what was your first? Um, I guess, uh, dip into, into real estate. What did you first do? Well, so I, let me just take a step back. When I was growing up, I realized, so my, my father had a, a bodega, so did my uncles. Um, and that's where my cousins and I grew up literally in the bodega, right. Um, working mm-hmm. alongside, you know, our, our fathers. Um, but what I realized was that the most, the more successful people in the neighborhood were the guys that had mom and pop stores, but were actually purchasing the properties that the mom and pop stores were located in, right? And then I realized there was a couple of them in the neighborhood that would continuously buy other properties surrounding them. Um, so growing up there, I realized that the wealth was with those individuals that owned the most property. So going to college and then coming back from college, um, the money just wasn't there. And I, but I started my first business in 1985. It was a, a video store um, that then graduated to uh, Beepers. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys even remember Beepers. Um, they then graduated <laughs> to cell phones, <laughs> right? Oh, the beepers, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had over one hundred and thirty thousand subscribers. I mean, we were rocking and rolling. We, you know, we we also had ATM machines, and I, we had laundry mats. As as business progressed, we kept buying, right? But whatever, what we always made sure we bought the building that wherever we owned the business, so we controlled our own destiny as 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 storekeepers as well. Um, but how how do you know to buy the building and not just the the business? Primarily, well, I never bought the business. I've never, ever bought a business with the exception of one time that I bought the laundromat from the business owner that was in a building I owned. Okay. Um, But the the first property I bought was a two-family building in 1989 that I, till this day, I still own. It's in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. It's a a pre-war construction building. And what had happened was I was walking up the corner to go to the hardware store to buy a doorknob. And I see a for sale sign uh, on the the building. 
I call him up and his name was Steven Sirota. And he said to me, you could get it if you, we could sell it if the tenants let us in. And I said, oh, they're not letting you in. He says, no. He says, I could have sold it 20 times over already, but I can't get in. Just so happens I knew everybody there because I grew up in that neighborhood. My store was right down the corner. My father's bodega was across the street. So all I did was just knock on the door. We went in. I looked at everything and I came back out. I didn't know anything about real estate at the time, but they were asking $117,000. I told them I was going to give them $72,000. And the reason I offered $72,000 was because the house across the street, the address was $72,000, Adelphi. And it happens to be the house that my girlfriend lived in, who is now my wife. So that's how I came up with that number, not knowing whether it was a good number or not. And they actually accepted it. <laughs> that's wow. hilarious, man. Yeah. So, was, so it, was it a good offer, though? Was it? I suspect it was probably a little below the market. The, prob- the market was probably around 90. Um, okay. But, you know, we, 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 I, I had made a deal with all the tenants to, to leave. It was a friendly um, uh, agreement. There was nothing in writing. Uh, it was out of mutual respect on all on all behalfs on all sides, and when they left, we fixed it up to the best that we knew how to fix it up back then. We would do it literally every night after we would close our business, so we would go to work at ten o'clock at night until about two in the morning, um, and then we we refinanced it after we got it rented, and that's you know we were doing the burr system when there were when we didn't even know there was a name for it. Burr, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you're, you're the second person that we heard say that to us, uh, where they've been doing it so long that they're like, been doing burr before burr was even coined. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So and and that's and then with that I said, man, it's just not this is actually not that difficult. And then we bought our second property and we just kept moving, and that's how we pretty. Basically, we learned as we went because we didn't have the Internet. There was no YouTube channel. There were no podcasts. You know, there were no blogs. um, And everybody that was in the business was holding the information close to their chest. They weren't really uh, sharing it as we do today. Um, So it was it was pretty much learn as you go. Yeah. Uh, There was a call call sheets. You probably you guys are way too young for that. But if you look him up, he was the man on the, the infomercials late at night. He would sell you the, the cassette tapes uh, and, and you get some books and that's how you pretty much knew it. You would you know, did, you use that, did you use those courses or, or did I you, did it because I never really believed in any of those. Yeah. Guys. You know, because a lot of them, there was another there was another guy who would sit there, you know, he'd be on his, in his big yacht with these beautiful women or sitting in front of a big Cadillac and all this could be yours, too. Right. But you got to yeah. pay me. You know, I, I, I never I never went for that hype. No. I remember seeing, um, and he's still big, uh, Graciosi. Um, you know, sure. he's with, um, who's the motivational speaker that that everyone loves? Tall guy. He does a lot of Tony, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. He's Tony with him. Robbins. Yes. But, Tony you, but Robbins. you know, but he has a guy that he's doing like uh, a lot of a lot of marketing with right now. Uh, Graciosi. I'm not familiar with him now. Forget, well, he was on tons of Tony Robbins, though. Infomercials, and I remember seeing him, and I always thought he was just a seeds bag man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still going now, so I just don't get it. Yeah. You know? So listen, there are a lot of guys out there that are making tons of money, giving out very, very, very little information. You know, um, 
I or do wrong a, information. I do a free uh, a mentorship class session every week on Wednesday nights. And uh, I can't tell you how many times people are telling me, wow, like, you know, are you ever going to monetize this? And my argument is I don't have to. Um, I'm doing it because I enjoy to do it. Yeah. I actually uh, get extreme enjoyment out of watching uh, the, the people who attend the session, you know, achieve their goals. You know, they're buying their first, second, third unit uh, property. It's it's a lot of gratification. Do you do, one, do you do one-on-one or just uh, one six? I don't do, I don't, I, 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 there's just not time for that, right? Yeah. But then I, then I would actually have to start monetizing. Yep, right? exactly. To yeah. justify that, the time. And, and that, that's what people don't understand. It's like when they start, you know, uh, when you start spending, you know, one hour, two hours with just one person, you, you need to, because it's, it's your time and your time is valuable. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, no, I, I know where you're going with that. Yeah. So I, we do the, we do the, uh, every, on Sunday nights, I do uh, on Instagram live for one hour with a really good YouTuber uh, influencer, uh, Chris Haskins. And then I also, he's got over like 73, 74,000 followers, subscribers right now. Um, and I love that mesh with he and I is because he's more, it, he's a new investor. He's been in the business about 11 years, right? And he comes in with all these new ideas, similar to you guys. I love talking to guys in your, in, in your um, age bracket because you're coming, you guys are coming in with so many new ideas and the way you guys embrace the new technology. It's just fascinating. I wish I could live to be 150 years old just to see how the, the whole entire industry is being turned upside down with this new energy that's coming yeah. in. I mean, I love it. I love it. Do you yeah. think it's easier? Do you think it's easier now or before? Oh, it's so much easier now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, God, I tell everybody if, if this is the business you want to be in, and you're not successful at it, it's because yeah. you choose not to be successful yeah. because the resources are there. It's just now a matter of you staying the course and doing Put, the work. Putting in the work. Yeah, I hear yeah. you, man. And, and you know, I, I tell everyone, it's all about exposure, right? And I think now our generation is more exposed. And if you're not, I think it's because you probably are in the neighborhood that you're not rubbing shoulders with the right people or, you know, you're just not paying attention, right? Uh, one of the two. But I, I think it's, it's really important that that people understand real estate is really a way to make it make it big, man, make it into a different level. And I think the, the biggest um, exchange of wealth is coming pretty soon. And I think those of us who are in the in this generation and, and are ready for it will take advantage of that. And those that won't don't know about it won't. Because I mean, the baby boomers are, are getting out, right? There's so so many, so many generations that are the money's got to go somewhere, right? The assets have to move. So, yeah, uh, Colin Powell, I'm sure you know who he is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, uh, Colin Powell, is, is somebody I have a lot of admiration for, and um, I, I was one night changing channels. He was on Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose is no longer on, but um, he was promoting one of his books, and Charlie Rose asked him about a particular chapter in his book and it was because uh, you know he comes from a, a, a lower end part of uh, new york city but his family his parents never wanted to leave although he tried to get them out when you know he became successful they were comfortable where they were at and every time he'd go home uh and he was in his 40s and this happened to this happened to be when i was about 42 years old and he said um you know Every time he went home, he used to get angry when his, he would see his old friends in the neighborhood and they would tell him how lucky he was, right? 
and he used to get angry about it. And that used to happen to me because a lot of my prop, uh, investment properties are in the same neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, and it's gone through some serious regentification. And as a result of that, we, we've mm -hmm. increased our, our, our equity uh, dramatically, to yeah. say the least. But, you know, he said he stopped getting angry when he realized that that's what they needed to say to them, to him to justify that they, for the time that they never put in to be as successful as he did. You know, so when they were, when they had new cars, he was still taking public transportation. When they had new clothes and new shoes, he was still wearing, you know, hand-me-down clothes. Um, when they were hanging out and working 40 hour weeks, he was working 40 hour weeks plus going to night school to, to get his education, to, you know, achieve his success. So, you know, that's when I stopped actually getting angry yeah. at those same individuals, my friend, well, what I, what used to be my friends, because I, I stopped getting angry at them because I knew then um, that's what they needed to say to them, to me, to make themselves feel better. Um, so like I said earlier, the resources are here. Um, you don't really have to spend money on it. Yeah. It's all for free. If you're willing to uh, put in the time and the work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, one of the, I think now we've actually gone the other spectrum of there's actually too much information out there and people yeah. don't know how to filter what they want. I mean, shiny object syndrome or just so much information that they don't even know how to filter through it. Right. So well, I try to tell people as the guys that are selling the lifestyle, those are the ones you shouldn't be following. The guys that are actually doing it are the ones that you should be following. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So tell us a little bit. So you bought you know, you bought these first uh, investment properties in your neighborhood. And then from there, you know, where did you jump to? Did you do, you know, you know, multifamily? Did you do apartment so buildings? So like the third, was it? yeah, the third property we bought was in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Um, it was uh, on the outskirts of um, what was really nice, right? It was uh, like Sixth Avenue up to Prospect Park was really nice. And below Fifth Avenue was the area where like nobody wanted to go to, right? But yeah. the price difference where it was about two to three hundred thousand dollars, anywhere between I shouldn't say that, between a hundred to two hundred thousand back then. Just one block difference in New York, right? Mm -hmm. So we bought a two family with two storefronts that is currently today four families with two storefronts. Um, bought that in nineteen ninety. Um, that building almost put me in bankruptcy, guys. I didn't know anything. Yeah. Everything, everything that you hear today not to do, I did it. Yeah. I did everything the wrong way. I got ripped off by my contractors. I got ripped off by my mortgage brokers. My first mortgage on that property was 18% from Greenpoint Savings Bank, and I paid six points. Six points? That's right. Um, was that was that normal back then? I mean, I don't believe know it or this. not, yes, we were coming out of the okay. recession. A lot of uh, the banks were the only real game in town was Greenpoint Savings, and then they would always appraise the property within that ten percent parameter that they have to, that they could go down. <coughs> you'd have to come up with more money, so I'd have to come up with thirty five percent to buy that property. And I got to be honest with you, I almost lost my shirt and the property on that. Um, and so we stuck through it, right? You know, I literally sold both of my cars. Uh, I was living on credit cards. It was a horrible time. Um, but that, that building now is worth about $6.5 million. Nice. Yes. Yeah. And then 
and because you invest in New York, so uh, has there always been some sort of rent control, and, and how do you navigate? So that? I don't, I don't, I don't ever ever purchase anything that's rent stabilized or rent control. Now that's not to say that the guys that do don't make money, because I know a lot of those guys that do. Yeah. They have the patience, they have the fortitude, um, they have the process and procedures in place to make it work for them. I personally don't do it because um, I don't. I hate having to answer to any type of governmental agency or ask permission to do anything. Yeah. Property. So that's not something that I do. I love mixed use properties where you have commercial on the ground floor apartments on top. Um, Cause they kind of offset each other. Um, I love the commercial side of the business because if it's just a, a one story, two story property where, um, they literally pay for the roof, they pay for the parking area, they, they, there's common charges, right? Um, so it's a triple net lease. I love that aspect of the of the commercial side. How commercial side, I'm sure you know, is extremely difficult right now. You know, one of the things you just mentioned is, you know, we're, we're talking about rent control, but I'm curious too is, you know, with, with how New York is in general, how do you navigate through that piece of, hey, um, you know, how do you make it work in New York? Because everything's so pricey right now. Cap rates are low. Yeah. So New York is, is an animal by itself. To be, yeah. And I haven't really been buying in New York. I'm waiting for the opportunities that I suspect are going to be coming up around second quarter of this year as yeah. a result of uh, the courts being closed. You know, New York is, is it's funny. They, they uh, the government tells you, you can't, you can't evict anyone for non-payment. Oh, but by the way, we're raising your water and sewer charges and we're raising your real estate taxes and we're, and your insurance costs is going up. Um, oh, and another thing is they're telling you they're, they want to raise the minimum wage. So every, you know, everything's being raised to the landlord, but the landlords can't kick out non-performing tenants, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, neither can you raise rents, neither can you charge late fees at this point you in can't time. can't do anything. Right. So it's extremely difficult. There's still going to be opportunities. I'm waiting for those opportunities. Um, and that's another reason why we started venturing out into New Jersey and to the state of Florida, because the acquisition cost was a lot less. Um, and we made sure wherever we went in those states that it was a much more land landlord friendly environment wherever we went than it was yeah. in New York. Man, yeah, I, I don't know how when I hear people investing in Jersey, New York, you know, just... I know New Jersey still there's still some good opportunities in Jersey. Yeah, um, yeah many actually. Um, I particularly like prefer Florida right now. I'm heavy into Central Florida. Yeah. Uh, well, everyone's moving there. You know. Yeah, but we've been buying there. We we started buying there in 2009, 2010. Oh, nice. so you, um, you that's when we started buying fixtures. Before that, <clears throat> we were just buying land. We were buying land from 1995 until 2006. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, let me ask you, because you've got some uh, particular expertise specifically in, in short sales. So, you know, I imagine you've probably done, you know, residential short sales, commercial short sales. Is there, is there a difference between one and the other? And then, and then could you describe a little bit about that process and how you go about negotiating? So on the commercial the side, it's, a, it's commercial side, it's extremely much more difficult. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I've actually tried to stay away from the short sale sides on the commercial because uh, the, the, the consumption of time is, is outrageously ridiculous. 
um, I could I could turn over six to twelve residential short sales before I could do one commercial. Mm. Um, so having said that, I have a much more experience on the residential side than I do the commercial side. Um, the residential side, it's all about being patient. It's all about um, taking out the time working through the BPOs. It's all about taking out the time and trying to educate most of the time the asset manager from the bank, because most of these asset managers, you know, are out somewhere in the Midwest making 30, maybe $35,000 a year, sometimes a little higher. And they're going according to comps, but those comps are not reflective of the condition of the home or the condo or the townhome that they, that you're trying to purchase, right? Yeah. Um, what I do find is that you have to be financially ready and prepared to close with a lot of cash on hand uh, the last two weeks of December, because those asset managers still have to justify the numbers to their bosses, right? So, you know, a lot of times they'll say after negotiating the deal for six, seven, eight, nine months, you know what, I'll take that number, but you got to close it by December 20th. Not a problem. So come December 31st, I have 30, 40 properties now that I don't even have time to get to. Um, and, you know, yeah. I'm rushing my guys on every job to get to it, but I'm already preparing them a month to two months before because I know this is going to happen. And the reason they want that, I just want to make sure we're, we're clear on this, is because they want it off their balance sheet. That's right. Correct? Right. Okay. And, they, and they have to justify the time or that year to, the, to, their, to their bosses. Yeah. So they'd rather take a cut, but at least... Yeah, they'll take a bigger down. haircut at the end of the... Usually, it's, it happens a lot at the end of every quarter, but it's more, especially the end of the year. I hear you. Yeah. So then how do you go about finding a, a short sale per se? Is it more just direct to owner or can you, is there a way to go to a bank to know, Hey, or, or have you built those relationships enough where. So we, so, we've, we've approached it from a totally, totally unorthodox type <laughs> of uh, environment. Um, we developed relationships with uh, short sale negotiators. We developed nego- uh, relationships with, uh, foreclosure attorneys where, you know, the client will go to the foreclosure attorney and he immediately puts it into a short sale, gets a calls me up and says, I got this property. It fits you. And it's in the area that you guys like to be in. Um, can, when can you give me an answer? Uh, I have an expediter that'll go take pictures, videos, whatever they have to do, get it to me within two hours and I can give them an offer on the spot. Now that attorney also knows that I'm going to work the deal. So it's irrelevant what the offer, what the number is on a short sale. So if the property uh, has a market value, it, even though in the in the condition it's in at three hundred thousand, you know, and I'm offering two hundred thousand, he still wants to put that on the contract at two hundred because he knows I'm going to work the deal with the the, the short sale through the north short sale negotiator uh, to the asset manager. It doesn't matter if it takes a month, six months, nine months, a year, a year and a half. It's going to close as long as we could come to a number that I could, that still leaves, leaves meat on the bone for everyone to eat. Got you. So then when you say short sell negotiator, cause that one's new to me, who, who are we talking about here? So there's guys out there that literally, okay. So there's times that I actually find the property um, and I give it to an, a, a realtor 
that then mm-hmm. gives it to a title company that specializes in short sales. They have somebody gotcha. in, in the title company that, that'll negotiate the short sale. Now, who pays that short sale negotiator is argumentative. That's part of the negotiation process, okay? Gotcha. Um, there's in New York, that's in, in Florida, as well as in New Jersey. And then in New York, then you may have guys that are realtors that are going knocking door to door um, in the most undesirable areas that, you know, a lot of people may even be afraid to go in a lot of times. And they, they, they get that trust of that person. They, and they decide, they hire them to be not only the realtor, but the short sale negotiator. Gotcha. Now, at that point, I'm no longer paying for it. The bank is paying for it. However, mm. at the end of the day, I'm still paying for it if I'm buying it. Because remember, the bank is looking yeah. at its total numbers. And this yeah. is the number they need to walk away with even after expenses. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you're still paying. Yeah, they pass the buck to you. No matter That's what, right. the bank always wins. That's yeah, right. and that's how Monopoly works. But uh, so, that, so that's very interesting. So you, you normally try to find out whoever runs the short, short sale process at a, at a company, whether it's title, foreclosure. Whether it's a title, it. whether it's a foreclosure <laughs> yeah. attorney. Um, you know, when you're in the business, as long as we are, You'd be yeah. surprised. I get calls every day. I don't even. It's it's so funny. I imagine. I imagine you you built your reputation as a closer, and, and people now just know. Hey, I'm gonna call, you know, Daniel, and, and he he's got it. You know, he he'll make it happen. But for for other people, I am sure if you look up on LinkedIn. Listen, if you are, you know, yeah. If you guys, if if for beginners, you got to put in the legwork. Uh, you got to get out there, go door to door. You got to, you know, send out the, 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 the your flyers, um, put or go, you know, put them yourself in mailboxes. I can't tell you, my brother and I, in the middle of the night, you know, especially like we're in Florida, it's two o'clock in the morning. We got three thousand uh, postcards. We actually drive around as he he drives up to the mailbox, and I'm opening up the mailbox, putting the postcard in at two yeah. o'clock in the morning. You know, um, so. You know, it's all about the hustle until, in, until the hustle catches up to you, right? Until yeah. until now, your reputation brings the hustle to you. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That's true. I also think there's ways to leverage. I, I think of it like wholesalers, right? I don't necessarily want to wholesale, but if I, I can find a way to attract the wholesalers to me, if we can both win, right? Meat off the I, I, I love wholesalers. Um, I've bought a lot from wholesalers. Yeah. Um, I think they bring a lot of value to the business. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it's as easy as they're uh, proclaiming it to be oh, no. in today's no. market. It's a very difficult market, uh, especially if you're competing against somebody like me who's going to come in. The wholesaler is going to he's trying to lengthen that contract so that he it gives him time to sell that contract. And yeah. I'm coming in right behind. I'm saying. You know, I'm gonna pay you cash. I'm gonna. I actually you have the cash. Two weeks. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. um, it my my deal subject to nothing. I'm not even gonna do an engineer's report. Yeah, uh, yeah. for an inspection. So it's yeah. a, extremely difficult for them to compete against me. But sometimes they do bring me deals I was unaware of. I love buying from you know wholesale. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know some of the best marketers out there are creative wholesalers, and yeah, and I would imagine some of these um you know, short sale negotiators too, because if they're out there finding the short sales, that's an even more specialized niche than- Yeah, it sure is. So in order to get in that, that's why I asked, because I'm curious, you know, 
people like that are, have to be creative and resourceful to find the deal. And if you become that person, you know, you got a, you got a skill set that no one else has, right? You, you're out there hustling hard and you figure out a process no one else can do, right? Very few people can do it. Yeah, it's all about getting out there and just doing it. At some point, you got to get, you could, you could sit there and watch, uh, you know, you, you could watch you, you could watch me, you know, uh, you could be watching Oscar, you could watch me, you could, you, you could watch multiple uh, influencers. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you got to get out there and do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just figure it out for yourself, too. Yeah. You know? But yeah, no, that, I think that's, that's some amazing stuff that, that you've done. And then, so, so, you know, you leverage, you know, a lot of these short sales. So what's next for you? Where, where do you see yourself going? What's the next goal? Because obviously you've done a lot of units, a lot of doors, a lot of different strategies. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny. I've, I've been involved. Uh, I was actually also involved with, at one point uh, on the Bloomberg's administration where he asked me to be on one of his advisory boards for what they were taking down a brig which was, uh, had been converted under Giuliani's administration to a jail. And they converted that to over 400 doors. And I had a really good time doing it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what's next for me? I, I think I would, you know, I'd like to, because look, my kids are all, their college funds are all funded already. Three of them are already graduated. Uh, my third, my last one, actually, uh, his, his college funds are already funded. It's all about now my wife and I traveling and, stopping to smell the roses um, and and enjoy our accomplishments. And at the same time, I want to start, you know, um, sharing my experience um, and watching those other individuals enjoy uh, the benefits of my experience, to be honest with you. Um, you I love that, man. You're giving back. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, You know, of course, I'm going to maintain what we currently have. I'm always looking to make the deal. I'm not making the deal anymore because I have to make the deal. I'm doing the deal because I enjoy making the deal. That's so awesome. I'm extremely more selective, yeah. uh, to say the least. And you, and it sounds like you have financial freedom and you have the liberty to choose what you do with your time, which is, uh, I think, the, the ultimate goal. Um, you know, I think a lot of, I think your generation has a lot more patience than mine. Um, if you could give any advice to, to uh, my generation as far as like, hey, you know, this isn't a get rich quick scheme. Like what what would you say to them? You know, like if you're going to get into this business to become wealthy quickly, don't do it. It's not going to happen. Um, Trust and verify everything and everyone. If I were given advice to myself uh, 30 years ago, I would say to me, self, enjoy the accomplishments when they come. You know, the first time I did a million dollar deal, I didn't take the time out to enjoy it. I wish I had. Yeah. Um, you know, because I had the blinders on, right? I got to get to the next deal. I got to get to the next deal. Um, I was working, you know, I went seven years without taking one day off. Um, did I have, you know, thinking back, you know, it was it beneficial financially? Absolutely. Because that's what, mo- that's what gave us the, uh, you know, the push to, yeah. to, to take those extra jumps. Uh, but I should have enjoyed Enjoy the accomplishments is what I'm telling you. Take the time out and enjoy them with the people that count the most. Uh, the other thing I would say is, um, I would say to me, stay the course. Everything's going to be fine. I would also say, as I said earlier, you know, trust but verify. You'd be surprised how many people want to put their hands in your pocket. Uh, 
Um, yeah. And the last thing I would say is get a mentor. Yeah. Get a mentor or at least follow somebody that's actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll save yourself a lot of uh, aggravation and a lot of lost money and a lot of lost time. I hear you, man. I think that's the biggest lesson I've had this past few years because, you know, I, I say it all the time. I, I joined Jake and Gino and, you know, learning from them. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I paid a lot of money, but I mean, it's been priceless, man. Just having someone that has so much experience on their belt and you can reach out to and, and, and it, it, short, it shortens the time the timeline yeah. to you achieving your success, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So it really doesn't, you know, yeah, you're paying for it. You're going to pay for it regardless. You're going to pay for it with the mistakes you make yeah. and the time that's that's spent correcting, trying to overcome those mistakes, or you can just pay the mentor. Um, and again, I've never paid a mentor. Um, and I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't. I'm just, What I am saying is that there is a lot of free information online yeah, yeah. if you're willing to take you know sleep an hour less at yeah. night and, and and get up two hours early on the weekends you know there's no excuse man is if there really isn't yeah i mean you know look i tell everybody i'm i, I was a, a special ed uh, dyslexic kid in, coming up in the worst educational system which was the city of new york um there was absolutely no reason why i should have had achieved any success if you look at what people should have looked like to expect success. Um, and I achieved it with the soul, you know, because I had parents that encouraged me, I had a wife that stood by me. And I, at the end of the day, I had a burning desire. So we live in a country that doesn't stop you from being whoever you want to be as long as you're willing to put in the work. God damn, man, you're about to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, because I, I, I resonate so much with that. And that's something I've been feeling so much lately, just with. You know, I, I, I feel I've, I've accomplished at least a little bit in my life just because I just like you, you know, I, I come from the other side of the, the pond there in Jersey. And, you know, when you look at your friends and they're doing the same thing they were they were doing, you know, eight years ago when I graduated college, when I graduate, when we graduated high school, you know, what, 12, 14 years ago, it, it's ridiculous. You know, it's just um, it, it just shows you the level of growth versus other people and what you're gonna what you're gonna realize oscar and i and i tell people this all the time is that those individuals are you're gonna find are no longer your friends yeah um you don't want to be okay and i hate to say this without sounding arrogant you don't want to walk in a room and be the most successful or the smartest person in that room yeah, absolutely. Because then you're in that and, room. And if and if you are the most successful in that room among those group of friends, you need to go find yourself another group of friends. I hear you, man. Because yes. otherwise, it's just gonna um, Snoop Dogg. Doesn't matter whether you like him or you don't. He's got this uh, video. You guys should. Everybody here should watch. It's called "Closing the Gap." And what he was talking about was that when he was going up, he felt guilty. And he tried to reach back down to bring everybody up with him. And what, what he found himself was that he kept going down, 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 that he almost didn't make it back up in his career. He had to reinvent himself to come back up because he went down so far that he couldn't come back up. So yeah. now he tells people who need help when they're down here that he knows you got to close the gap and come up to me. Try coming up to me and then I'll reach down and grab you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that. And like I said, like, 
that that was very very deep because I would hope to get to a point where I'm so financially free where I can give back. Listen, that, it's it's not even about giving back with money, man. It's all about giving back with your knowledge, right? The, exactly. You know, yeah. Talk. Yeah. You know, if someone comes to me and asks me a question, I'm going to talk to them. Now, if you come to me, you know, six months from now and ask me another question, but you did absolutely nothing with the with with, with the time <laughs> I spent with you yeah. the first time, don't ask me because now you know I could give that time to someone else that's actually going to do something with it. I hear you, man. I yeah. hear you. Well, brother, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, can you go ahead and tell the audience where they can find you, how they can reach you, and yeah. anything you wanna, you know, promote? Whether it's your your group. Listen, right? Yeah, we do it. We do a free mentorship every Wednesday night at six p.m. Uh, all you have to do is sign up at usalandventures.com, or you could actually just uh, type in my my uh, my my other website, which is Daniel Barrero Jr. Jr. at gmail.com. And it'll take you right to my website and you could just sign up at any given time. Um, I did, I launched a YouTube channel where yeah, we started okay. putting on our golden nuggets. I try to keep my golden nuggets when I'm on a job site or I, I'm having a dilemma. I try to really give the truth, the good, the bad, and the ugly about the business. Yeah. So whenever I'm on, I love giving the ugly side so that, you know, I want people to realize, you know, this, this is not that shiny object that everyone else is portraying it to be. It takes yeah. time and work. And I try to keep those golden nuggets at below three minutes. So that way it keeps your attention and you're not spending a lot of time uh, watching it. But yeah, I mean, and we also started posting our, our sessions. So we're up to session 20. I'm going to be doing sweat, session 20 tomorrow, actually. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So we started posting our sessions up there as well. That so, is awesome. Yeah, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Bless me. I need the subscribers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And you know what? We'll, we'll blast it out uh, on, on social media and, and help you help you along. I mean, if that's a way we can help, then we'll definitely. Uh, yeah, listen, I would love to, you know, if we could ever do something together, collaborate with something, man, let me know. Call me up, yeah. you know. Um, I love working with guys like you that are hungry, but most primarily with vets, man. I find that when I work with vets, they're the most disciplined individuals. Um, they stay focused. They always stay the course. And, you know, I just wanted to thank you for your service. No, man, I really appreciate that, brother. So, yeah, we'll stay in touch and, and thank you for coming on. I'll go no, no, thank you. Now. Good night, man. Thanks, man. Take care.